hear a knock on the door, and so I pause Nirvana's Bleach album, one of the greatest ever created, and I yell out, yes. Someone cracks open my door, and they kind of poke their head in and say, do you have a minute? Kind of motion them in. Usually they sit down on my squishy green felt chair, and I sit in the faux leather chair across from them. And then it begins. Sometimes it's an eruption of four-letter words. Sometimes they sit silently for a moment and look out the window, and then the tears begin to fall. Sometimes they look me right in the eye and say, I think I'm quitting this job, my marriage, my attempts at sobriety. These are one-way conversations. I say almost nothing. But to me, these explosions are the sound of the spirit. We're continuing with our teaching series today that we've been calling The Others, Knowing God Through Helping People. And we've been exploring the reality that sometimes the only way that you and I can go deeper in our personal connection with our Creator or to continue to grow or mature ourselves is to actively be focusing on other people. Today we're just going to look at a couple of lines from St. Paul in the New Testament in a book called Romans chapter 12, verse 15. He writes, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. One of my very good friends is a clinical psychologist. He's lived all over North America. He's been educated at some of our finest institutions. He's the kind of individual that presents papers at conventions of other clinical psychologists. But privately, he confesses if you said, does counseling really help? He'd say, mm, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. He said, Brian, I, I have to admit, largely what we do is we get paid to listen to people. That's it. There's not always a lot of counsel we offer. People are paying us to hear them because most people have no one to listen to them. And it's killing them. Most of us in this room will never receive advanced counseling training. Some people certainly deal with personal issues that most of us normal people are not equipped to deal with. But all of us can practice listening friendship. All of us can sit in a faux leather chair and just pay attention. 
all of us can rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And this may be more important than we typically realize. So this morning, I'm going to share a few personal reflections on the value of listening friendship. And afterwards, you and I will have a little bit of time to interact together. So if you have a question or a comment, you can share that. Or if you're feeling a little bit more saucy and you want to challenge me, you are free to do that as well when we are done. But number one, first reflection. In a world where we all have a microphone, that's called social media, we all have a microphone now, what many of us need most is not to speak, but to listen. You know, I'm a, I'm a teacher, and so there was a point not that long ago, a few years back, where I thought one of the most helpful things I could do is share lots of my thoughts on social media. I could share my opinions on current events. I could offer advice that people aren't asking for. I could share some memes, you know, because what changes one's life than checking out a meme online? Sometimes it, it had a positive effect. I had a few strangers I didn't know who reached out, wanted to process something. I got a few speaking gigs out of it, but mostly it was not good. Um, I've been called more names than I would like to admit. There was a British scholar who sort of, kind of threatened me online. There was one really excited guy on the East Coast who contacted my university president and demanded that I be fired. And when the president tried to defend me, he said, no, let me tell you, I will, on my own dime, fly from the East Coast to California to sit across from your desk to let you know why Dr. Ross should be fired. He was at least willing to put his money where his mouth was. But worse than all of this is what was happening within me. I noticed I had trouble sleeping. I rarely felt well. I was kind of emotionally miserable. Constantly sharing my truth, my story, my opinions, my perspective was not creating a healthy sense of self. In fact, it was kind of destroying it. C.S. Lewis was a British medieval literature scholar. And through a lot of his writings, he tried to help us modern people gain a different perspective on our life from giving us kind of a pre-modern perspective on reality, if you will. And way back in the 1940s, he talked about how you and I have an unhealthy or a healthy sense of self. I'm going to read some of his words. It's too long. I'm sorry, I'm a professor. It's too long. But try to follow along if you can. He writes, What I so proudly call myself becomes merely the desires thrown up by my physical organism or pumped into me by other men's thoughts. Eggs and alcohol and a good night's sleep will be the real origins of what I flatter myself by regarding as my own highly personal and discriminating 
decision to make love to the girl opposite to me in the railway carriage. Propaganda will be the real origin of what I regard as my own personal political ideals. I am not in my natural state nearly so much of a person as I like to believe. Most of what I call me can be very easily explained. It is when I turn to Christ, when I give myself up to his personality, that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. The very first step is to try to forget about the self altogether. Your real new self will not come as long as you are looking for it. Give up yourself and you will find your real self. Lose your life and you will save it. Submit to death, death of your ambitions and favorite wishes every day and you will find eternal life. Keep back nothing. Nothing that you have not given away will ever be really yours. Nothing in you that has not died will ever be raised from the dead. Look for yourself or post on social media all the time and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him everything else thrown in. Could it be that if you purposely listen and focus on other people instead of speaking your truth, that you might actually move a little closer to finding the real you. That your healing doesn't always come from speaking your truth, but maybe from listening a little bit more. Number two. Listening to other people can help you see your own life differently. Years ago, I was in a bad place personally, and a friend recommended a spiritual counseling center in the beautiful mountains of Colorado. So I decided to go. I imagined, hey, this will be great. I'll have a week, week and a half. I'll be there with some professionals who will just focus on me. I will talk about my life. I will share about how people around me don't understand me. They will say how foolish they are for not going with my relational vision. This will be a wonderful life, wonderful experience. And as I got there, I was immediately disappointed because I found out there were lots of people there. And in fact, what we were doing is getting together in a group. Almost all of our time was together as a big group not lots of individual times with a professional focus, focusing on me. So what we would do is we'd gather and they would pick someone kind of at random, why are you here? And they would start to get frustrated or they would start to tear up. And then the rest of us were instructed to speak into their life. It wasn't about me at all. But you know what happened. As I heard other people talking about themselves, ahas were going off within me about me. Oh, I'm more like that woman who's getting really angry than I realized. 
or there's more in common I have with this emotional fella than I'd like to admit. I could see myself more clearly by learning to see them. If you are dealing with something right now, and who, in, who of us in this room is not dealing with something difficult right now, it could be that the only way you're going to understand it is by listening to other people. Are you making time to do that? Or are you only trying to deal with yourself by focusing on yourself? Number three, we can quite literally help change the world through listening to other people. We can help change the, the world through listening to other people. You know, in the past, people that were diagnosed with very severe and complicated forms of mental illness, like borderline personality disorder or narcissistic personality disorder, for a long time, professionals thought, there's nothing you can do about these individuals struggling with these inner life issues. Their struggles are going to continue inwardly. They're going to act them out outwardly. And quite frankly, for a long time, the main recommendation to family members was, Get distance between them. If you're married to them, get out. There's nothing that can be done. But over the last several years, that's changed. Now granted, people that are dealing with very complicated matters normally need a professional involved. But if I were to make the complex rather simple, largely what they do is lots of empathetic, deep listening. And even with people who are dealing with the most complicated inner struggles that make other people's lives very difficult, the way that they find transformation is when someone patiently listens and validates their inner feelings long enough that once they feel heard, their problems begin to lessen. When I was back there in Colorado, because I'm a nerd, I asked one of the people there, why are we doing this whole group thing? Like, I, I don't get this group thing. And they said, our model's very simple. We have found, research plays it out, I think you could connect this to the, the history of spirituality, when people share their deepest hurts and the deepest ways that they've hurt others and they share it with a group of people, who hear them and stay present and care about them, the spell is lessened. It's broken. You and I know there's a lot of pain in this city. There are stressed out parents who self-medicate with drugs and abuse their children. There's young men who feel afraid, and so they shoot him before he gets them. There are rich people who, despite their wealth, feel empty inside, like they have no meaning and purpose. And so they keep looking for more money, more control, and they make decisions that end up putting vulnerable people out on the street. 
If you want a little bit more peace and a little bit more justice in Fresno, it might be that Midtown needs to be a community where people can be deeply listened to. That stressed out parents and anxious young men, and yes, even rich people need listening friendship. They need people that will rejoice with them when they rejoice and mourn with them when they mourn. What difference could we make if we are present to people that kind of lessens the inner burden for them a little bit? Could a few less children suffer? Could one or two less people be shot on the streets? Would there be less people forced into homelessness? we listen. Number four, the most transformative form of listening is listening to the type of people that you don't like. Again, verse 16, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Who are people of low position? I want to offer a suggestion. They are not your friend's favorite group of people who've got a raw deal in our world. Because you know what I mean by this? Every social group has their favorite group of hurting people that they care for. For example, Republicans really care about like disabled veterans. Or long-term established religious groups tend to really care about persecuted Christians in predominantly Muslim countries. Or if you're in higher ed, faculty tend to really care about the very few young women that are in science or math majors. Every social group has their favorite group of hurting people that they care for, and it all makes sense, and all that is valid. But for you, the people of low position are not the people that your parents ignore, but that you and your friends care about. The people of low position that you are called to hear for you are the people that your friends don't like. Are the people that you run with that have your same worldview, that vote like you, that have your same level of education, the kind of people that they're like, why are you listening to them? That is the kind of person in the most transformative way you and I are called to listen to. The ones that your friends don't get. My former colleague, Mary Shamshoian, says, if you knew someone's whole story, their current form of thinking and acting would make complete sense to you. What might happen if you listen to the kind of people that your friends don't like? Long enough and deep enough that even though you don't agree, their life makes sense to you. What might happen within you? How you understand others. How you understand yourself. Maybe even how you understand God. 
clearly right now in our culture, a lot of people that look like me, and I mean white, men, middle-aged, straight, Christian, professional, are catching hell from a lot of people. And rightly so. Because for a long time, we didn't listen to people different than us. And we caused all sorts of pain. But if, if you're not like me, middle-aged, straight, man, white, professional, Christian, let me tell you what people like me say when we're all by ourselves behind closed doors. And we talk about this going on right now, the hell we're catching. There's a lot of, I didn't mean to hurt anyone. I didn't know. I just didn't know this was happening. I didn't know this is how people perceived. I didn't know these decisions did. It seems that if we do not choose to listen to people, we default to hurting them. And we may not even know it. What might happen if you actively listen to the kind of people your friends avoid? What might you do if you don't? Number five. To listen to others in a helpful manner, we often need a perspective that is beyond this world. Think about what is hanging around your neck right now. Is it words? Are there verses or things that Jesus said? Or might it be a cross? Because the main symbol of our faith isn't a lecture, isn't a social media post, isn't a streaming video. It is a symbol of self-sacrificial love. Jesus dying at the hands of his enemies, absorbing their feelings, absorbing their struggles, absorbing their rage, and not responding. You remember when he was before Pilate, when Pilate, the Roman leader, was deciding what to do with Jesus, and he's asking him questions, and what did he do? He didn't say anything. He simply listened. He took it. He suffered, and then later on, God raised him from the dead. You see the implication Jesus is giving us. Do you see what he is saying without literally saying something? He didn't demand that political authorities adopted his platform. He didn't institute a law and demand that all of us follow it. He took what we gave him. He knew that listening love and suffering under our desires and stories is what would free us. Jesus models something very different from how most of us intuitively live, or at least different from how I intuitively live. What matters most is not speaking and proclaiming, but a love that willingly suffers through being present to others' pain. 
not speaking and proclaiming, but suffering by being present to others' pain. If this is true, then you and I making time not to give advice, not to give direction, but to just listen is one of the most valuable things that we can do. On Friday, actually just a few blocks from here, Friday morning, I went to visit one of my friends. We've been pretty good buddies for the last 20 years. And I wept with him and I hugged him and I told him I loved him because his 20-year-old son died of cancer the night before. And as rough as that was in that moment with him, when I was alone at home and reading what his family was posting on social media, I became undone. I began to sob. They posted a picture of their boy when he was a toddler clutching a stuffed animal. And then they had a picture of him fully grown but his body withered from cancer laying in bed, clutching that same stuffed animal. There were pictures when he was a vulnerable little toddler, then a healthy teenager, and then at the very end of his life, being like a vulnerable toddler again. And of course, I cried for my friend, and as a father of four, I cried imagining what that would be like but I also sobbed at the beautiful love my friend and his family had for their boy. He was loved. He was cared for. People paid attention to him. It was clear that though his life ended too quickly, it was infinitely valuable. This is everybody. This is the mom that's on crystal meth. This is the young guy packing heat. This is the rich guy who doesn't care at all about the neighborhood's needs. They were at one time young, vulnerable children clutching a stuffed animal and at some other point in their life, they will be reduced to being a vulnerable person again, clutching a stuffed animal. Who's attending to them? Who's caring for them? Who's listening to them? Will you? And what might happen within them if you will.